Welcome, everyone, to the Work Matters Podcast, where we discuss what matters at work and how to make it better. I'm Robert Richardson, here with Dr. Steve Hunt. Steve, what matters at work today? The future of work matters, Robert. You know, you hear that term all the time. People think about the future of work and work is changing and work is changing, which raises interesting things if you're a person who works, which is like, well, if I know work in the future is going to be different from what it is now, what should I be doing to prepare for the future of work? And within SAP, we actually have a chief future of work officer, Christian Schmeichel, who is joining us today, who's going to Tell us about the future. I have this image. Christian, welcome to the show. I have this image of you like having this crystal ball and like some sort of wizard's cap. Is that what the job is? What exactly does a future work officer do? Yeah, first of all, thanks very much for having me, and Stephen and Robert. Um, a pleasure to be here today. And it's indeed, it's a great job title, but it's much more than that because the future of work is probably top of mind for all of us these days because there's so much currently going on. And um, a chief future of work office at SEP is trying to not just predict the future, but rather also get us future proof and get us future ready at SAP for 100,000 uh, women and men across the world who are serving our customers. And it's about understanding what do we need, right, with regard to future skills. How do we want to work together to be most productive? And how can we get it right with regard to everything that is required for our customers? So at the end of the day, it's about getting a good understanding how we need to work, how we can work best, and how can we have also fun at work over the upcoming years to come. So how did you become a future work officer? I'm, not, I'm guessing that when you were like 10 years old, you weren't like, gee, when I grow up, I want to be a future work officer. Or maybe you were, but how did you become the future work officer for SAP? That's, that's indeed a great question, because at the end of the day, this role probably um, didn't exist um, a few months back even, or maybe a few years back. Um, actually, when I'm, I'm browsing the internet, I'm not coming across anybody else who's having the job title. So it was um, no way right, to prepare for that. However, at the end of the day, I've been an HR professional for more or less 20 years from now. And originally, I started my career in finance. So I've done a lot of different things. And when people ask me what I've done, I'm sometimes joking. I was always the guy who was more or less doing what nobody else wanted to do. Can be also a career strategy. And um, this means, of course, that I started when I was joining SAP, um, first of all, with doing some stuff in the Labs HR world, which is more or less the space where we develop our software. I was um, more or less making our SAP XR processes SOX compliant when we got listed at the New York Stock Exchange. I was moving to Japan. I was the head of HR there for our subsidiary, and I was the CEO for HR globally. So making sure that our processes are flowing well, that we have our technology in place, and making sure that an HR strategy in place, which uh, make us ready. And then uh, the pandemic hit us. And while the future of work is certainly not new, during that time, I felt it was kind of a wake-up call for a lot of organizations, and certainly also a wake-up call for SAP. And in that very moment, we came across the yeah, notion of this is a huge opportunity for SAP to take a step back, get strategic, and make sure that we prepare ourselves much better than before, make SAP more agile, more resilient, and creating a dedicated role, which is called Future of Work. And um, I was having the privilege um, to being asked by our CEO and our CHRO um, who said, hey, you know what, you have done this now for um, here quite a while in this um, more or less um, topic context, and why don't you do it? And of course, I um, was very, very excited to do so, and here I am. 
How does the macroeconomic landscape impact our ability to predict the future of work? And what do you think it's going to look like? This at first glance pretty straightforward. Um, and this is that no one can predict the future. So um, therefore, um, it's really hard to make predictions these days, probably um, versus maybe before. And no one is having a crystal ball, but I think there's one thing that is that is for sure. And this is that the world is getting more VUCA, but we all know this, um, the volatility, the uncertainty, the complexity and the ambiguity um, yeah, is even, even further accelerating and even um, yeah, it's getting further, um, yeah, more or less, it's getting stronger. And this means at the end of the day, we got at least to focus on what we know. I mean, if you want to be more flexible at the same time, would like to have continuity, you need to be very, very clear what kind of skills you need. You need to be very, very clear where you get these skills from. And you need to be very, very clear how you can retain these skills um, over the midterm, over the long term. Therefore, I feel a lot of companies, a lot of organizations, including ourselves, we have on one hand a lot of homework to do. On the other hand, it's a unique opportunity if you get this right. You can really differentiate yourself in the market and make sure that you are ready for the years to come. What you're saying is, you know, companies like SAP and others have to really think about the workforce at a lot more serious level than perhaps maybe they did in the past. I want to go from the macro to the micro. You said some really interesting things in your own career journey. How is an individual, what should they be thinking as they get ready for this like much different future of work where the, you know, the old career ladders are gone? When you ask me how can I prepare, right, or how should people prepare um, now to the future, um, it's, it's, I think, based on that understanding that the only uh, constant will be change, or change will be the only constant. Therefore, um, the best thing that one can do is uh, to stay flexible, right, when it comes to changes in the workplace and generally in many areas of your life, because uh, change will be even, um, yeah, probably happening much more often than we have already thought. And um, when you think about this, uh, there is, of course, a couple of things that are still relevant. The basic fundamental question is um, where everyone um, should probably um, put some quality time on is to identify your strengths and understand where you're good at, right? And to understand um, what you enjoy doing and what you want to do to contribute to. So what is your purpose? These are the fundamental questions, and I think they are still valid. So the, more, the clearer you are or the clearer one is about that, the easier it is also to find out where you can contribute and can make, um, yeah, of course, also uh, great living. Um, and of course, as an employer, it's important to acknowledge that and to recognize that and to see um, that you can help your, your guys and your folks and your people and your employees to understand where things are going, to give also some career orientation, to help people um, to learn the right skills, to stay employable. So not just be, for example, focus on the next quarter, on the next six months, but really also on that midterm employability. And therefore, it's important to stay curious and to learn and to make sure that one is focusing on the things that matter. And this is, of course, um, still the hard facts. Um, and also, in particular, in the tech space, right, staying relevant. But there is a lot of other things that will always probably uh, be important. And this is how to work together with other people. And this is also to become a great problem solver, because there will be a lot of things um, that will need to be solved as a problem in the future. And um, these things will become so complex, you can't do this on your own anymore. So this thing of um, being able to do this with other folks, and since the world is certainly, in the meantime, a global village, 
to do this also um, with other cultures and to do this with people from other geographies and languages is certainly for me something where one can prepare very well. These are unique skills that will always help us. As the world's changing, it's really more important to know ourselves, to know what we want to do, what matters to us, what our skill sets are, which I think a lot of people don't do a lot of self-reflection. And that's probably a really good point, you know, that we, that the world's changing. It's really important that you know what you're good at and what you want to do. And the other one, your point is saying, and don't think you go alone. Whatever you're going to do, you're going to do it with other people. So get really good at working with other people. So those are really, really, really good insights there. Let's think about different phases of our career and, and how someone should plan. And maybe we can work backwards. So if somebody is, say, 50 years old and they still have 15 years worth of work, how can they make the most of their time? Yeah, that's, again, a great question. For me personally, I think probably the overarching theme is that one needs to stay curious and keep learning no matter what the age is. There is a lot of anxiety about people losing their job. It's one thing to lose your job when you're 25 and you don't have kids and all that sort of thing. It's quite another thing to lose your job if you're, you know, 50 or 45 and have children and you're kind of in a different career phase. What do you think people can do to reduce that anxiety about job loss? This question is spot on because the workforce, right, with all the related job profiles and assignments, will look very different in the future. So I can totally appreciate maybe that concern or that anxiety. And probably that's relevant for a lot of people across the globe. This may substantially differ by country, by region, right? Also depending a bit on the maturity of the economy. But in general, I think many tasks that we are currently seeing um, yeah, will be certainly supported or even much more supported in the future by machines, robots, AI, and what have you. I just recently came across a study where it was saying that by the year 2025, 80% of today's jobs will be somehow affected by, by AI or automation. And therefore, from an employee perspective, it's important to reflect and um, to identify where you're good at and uh, what is maybe also not replaceable by machines or by AI at the same time being open for change. I mean, um, things a machine will always be good at or maybe even potentially be better at um, as, as a human being is anything that can be optimized, right? Uh, also linear um, analysis and everything, that, that's clear. Where I think we as human beings have the huge differentiator, if you really think now about the decades to come, is certainly creativity, it's about empathy, it's about nonlinear um, optimization, all of this. And here we have a huge differentiator, so we will not become obsolete, it's rather how we can partner with the machine, right? And how we can steer the machine and how we can do this um, um, to our own advantage. And therefore I feel um, what is unique about us is that we leverage our creativity and collaborate with others and so that we can drive true innovation, which is uh, nonlinear. And therefore I feel there is opportunity if we get this right. It's about um, to understand what is going to come and where one can maybe, yeah, also be uh, not afraid of machines and technology, but rather embrace it. That one can more or less um, co-drive that change and be rather in the driver's seat versus being driven. And um, I recently came across uh, a very interesting recipe for success, right, um, in this context. And it was saying that there are three important elements: time, money and knowledge. And um, the saying was, you always need to use two of them to get more of the third one. And then I, I found that very <laughs> intriguing. And um, this is certainly something um, I will also keep um, on top of my mind for myself. 
if you go in and have a job where you kind of know what you're doing and you're doing the same thing over and over again, that's probably the kind of job that's going to get eliminated. So it's almost like you've got to say, boy, I should be doing things where I feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm developing new relationships. I'm, I'm doing stuff I've never done before. That's more or less likely to be automated. What advice would you give to somebody, say, in their 30s that they're really trying to future-proof their career? In your mid-30s, I mean, certainly you already have gained some expertise, right? And probably you're already good in, in some area. So now is a great time to diversify um, your skills and to get broader. Because in the past, we all know, sometimes um, you were more or less hired into one company and then you were even retiring in that company. I think these times are over. I think recent predictions show that more or less if you are somebody who belongs to the generation Y, you probably will have up to seven or eight employers um, right, uh, doing your work. Life. So I think in your mid-30s, I think it's the perfect time to now once again learn more things. You just mentioned it, Steve, right? Get broader, diversify, and see what's happening over the upcoming, um, I don't know, 30 years. And um, then, yeah, of course, um, adjust your career accordingly. Be on top of things. As a person who's managed, helping manage SAP's workforce, what is your attitude about employees considering jobs in other companies? Is that like a bad thing as SAP? Because obviously <laughs> we want to keep people. Yeah, no, absolutely. And first of all, um, the, the good news is that SAP, we are such a broad company with such a broad portfolio that we have a lot of very interesting job opportunities also inside the company, right? And so there's a lot of opportunity also to move from one department to another which over time is certainly encouraged because we would like to have a company which is building the skills for the future. And we are certainly also um, yeah, encouraging people, right, to have um, also um, here on a regular basis a career check. And if you want to grow, of course, we would love to have people stay within the company. And therefore, this is the main focus. If for whatever reason, um, yeah, we have people um, decide to um, leave the company, which is sometimes, of course, very unfortunate, we um, try to stay in touch. We have even a, a dedicated alumni program. And of course, at the end of the day, there's usually also an opportunity to maybe um, return to SAP, um, even if you have acquired skills elsewhere after um, a certain time. And if, it, if it's a good match, one can certainly also um, think about rehiring. But therefore, at the end of the day, as an employer, and therefore SAP is just an example, it's about being a great a place to work, right, where people are having fun and where people can learn and grow. And then I think this is on one hand, certainly a great reason to stay at the company. So attrition is not so much of a problem. And or, of course, you are so attractive that you would love to come back after a while. It used to be viewed as if you left a company, it's like you'd somehow betrayed us. But companies increasingly don't think of it that way. It's like, yeah, leave. But if you're good, come back. I think that's a really heartening thing to hear. I that people should keep that in mind. Now, it's not probably true in every company, but it's true in a lot more of them, at least the companies you want to work for. We call those boomerang hires in the recruiting <laughs> world. <laughs> so speaking of boomerang hires, people in their 20s are often accused of job hopping. Does the advice, I, I imagine a lot of ways it's the same for somebody in their 30s, right? And in, in mid-career along the lines of ensuring that, that you know yourself keep learning, make sure that you're on to the next skill. Are there any differences in the advice that you'd give somebody who is earlier in their career, say in their 20s? First of all, I would totally agree to what you have just said. I think it's exactly these foundational elements, right? Doing a lot of self-reflection, know what you want, trying to identify your strength. But then it's also about 
more than just learning the hard facts, right? It's try to make meaningful connections, develop networking skills, mm. very well early on in the career. And we know that some of the most interesting career paths of today's innovators are not so straightforward. So it's also about having or keeping your ears and your, your eyes uh, and uh, open and stay curious about any opportunities and ideas. I think mentors are especially critical in that early career. You know, I, I can really see the impact that the mentors I found, for instance, in my 20s made for the rest of my career. Yeah. I mean, Robert, I really like to comment about mentor or mentoring. And of course, this can be in both ways. Sometimes it's, for example, looking to more senior people who have some more experience, but it doesn't matter so much with regard to age anymore. It can be also kind of peer mentoring or whatever, or sometimes even, for example, reverse mentoring, right? Where you're asking somebody who's maybe not so um, experienced, um, at least from a, let's say, age perspective, but who's having maybe certain expertise in, in maybe uh, an area which is currently kind of quite hot. I think it's about getting a feeling right for the market and what's what's currently happening. And of course, um, what I recently uh, came across is talking to recruiters, and even if you're not looking for a job, right? Simply have the conversation and understand uh, what's happening. So therefore, um, I feel when it comes to, to jobs in the future, the most fundamental um, learning or key takeaway for, would be for me, I would not look for jobs. In particular, I would rather look for skills. And this is what we talked earlier on, right? It's about complex problem solving. It's about having maybe some fun in the, in the tech space. Um, this doesn't mean that everyone needs to be able to, to, to code, but at least have, for example, an interest and also yeah, embrace technology. And of course, yeah, learn to, to work well with others and, and make sure that, um, yeah, to um, gain a lot of different experiences. So just one last audience, one last set of people. How about those who are in the 10 to 15 range? I'm thinking of my own kids right now. I've got a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, for example, that uh, aren't too far off from needing to look at the marketplace. So what kind of advice do you have for kids? And number one, experiment and try things out so that you can find out where you have fun. I think that's, for me, the most fundamental thing because if you know what your passion is, a lot of things will be much easier. The second thing is there will be no way around tech. So let's embrace tech and do this as early on as possible. And then, and that's an interesting one. And maybe some people would question what I'm saying right now. I still feel that learning um, um, foreign languages, I think, is a, is a key one. Not just because of the language. Maybe there will be, I think, um, an automation uh, translation element, um, for example, in the near future. But simply to understand foreign cultures and also understand and um, uh, more or less how to interact and network with people across the globe as, is so valuable. And um, I feel that this is probably also very important um, for, the, for the decades to come. Therefore, these two things would be top of mind for me. I love that. So, Alex, Abby, if you're listening, <laughs> experiment. There's no way around tech. And learn foreign languages, not just for the value of the language itself, but for the value of learning intercultural skills. Yeah, I think that's good. And it ties back to so much of our success is going to be people are always going to have to work together. And the more change is happening, the more the people that are good at bringing people together are more valuable. That's a, a, definitely a learned skill. I think people don't realize that managing relationships is absolutely something that you learn. I think, um, I think kind of bringing it all the way back too, to like that first group. I think that's one thing I've heard too. People that are like older, one of the skills they often have is they're really good at dealing with crises and things like that because there's some things that are hard to learn without experiencing it. 
Yeah. If you've never lived through a recession, you don't really know what it's like to live through a recession. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Um, last question for you, Christian. Um, of like the 15 I'm not asking, but this will make this the last question because the future is a big place. You could talk about a lot of stuff. What about if we look at the past? Is there advice that your grandparents may have given you that used to be true, but isn't true anymore? And conversely, is there advice they may have given us that is always true? So if you look back at our grandparents' generation, um, what maybe they used to say, they're saying that might've been true then, but it's not true now. First of all, I'm lucky because I had indeed grandparents who, who were quite interested in us and also our education, that therefore they had some advice. And um, I think the one thing that is certainly still valid is that um, you need to learn how to learn. And um, I really like that one because, I mean, there are different ways of learning, right? Some people are rather readers, others are rather listeners. So to identify how you can best more or less, um, yeah, uh, gain knowledge and how, yeah, to what extent you have fun with that. I think this is a crucial basic element. And I really like that advice because it helped me big time. And the second one, which I feel is interesting, maybe not my grandparents, but at least in that generation, there was a lot of advice, find a great, a great first employer and then stay there because, I mean, when you are um, growing up there, there will be a lot of opportunities and it's, and it's great. And I think in today's times, this is certainly not valid anymore. Of course, it's good and important to have a great first employer where you maybe can learn a lot. But in today's times, yeah, I mean, it's as we mentioned before, right? There's probably a very high probability that you will maybe change employers um, to a certain extent throughout your career, which is perfectly fine. Um, it's rather about having that mindset that you need to continuously grow and the, the world around us is changing. Therefore, one needs to stay flexible. Great advice. It's kind of like no matter what you're doing now, you're going to be doing something different five years from now. Embrace that. Don't dread it. Yeah, that's really good. Well, Christian, thank you so much for appearing on Work Matters and sharing some of your insights. And uh, I, I think, too, just the audience, it's heartening to know that there's people in companies like SAP that are thinking about this. So, you know, employees, I think, sometimes worry about what am I getting about the future? And it's like, yeah, companies are worrying about it, too. Collaborate. Reach out to people like Christian in this organization. Then you know, they, they want you to be successful. I think people don't realize it's not, it's not a competition between employees and companies. It's a co it's a cooperation and collaboration. This is also, though, thank you for that summary. And thanks very much, Steve and Robert, for having me. A true pleasure. And I mean, maybe I think from my side, it's very important to understand that the future of work is not a science fiction anymore. It really starts already now, today, in the next hour. So um, if you found something interesting in the podcast, you can start now. The future starts now. Great statement. Thank you, Christian. Thank you. First of all, how cool that, that our company has a chief future work officer. I mean, I thought my title as chief expert for work in technology was like really grandiose sounding, but Christian's is even better than mine. I have title envy. Um, <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that title envy. That's title a new one. All right. Really <laughs> but it's such cool work. So what were some of the things that you took away from what Christian shared? A couple of things really interesting. One is this concept that over the course of time, market volatility, progression of technology, different business models that are in and out cause the need for skills to change over the course of time. And so in a lot of ways, it's hard to prepare for what skill you're really going to need for the future. But there are some timeless skills, if we think about it that way, or timeless competencies. You can pick your term here. You know, one is uh, the ability to interact with people. 
Another is intercultural skills, which, which are really on the rise and need to be able to interact with people of other cultures. Learning how to learn and being ready for change. You know, that uh, if you know how to learn and you know, you've learned how to learn, then you're ready for the next wave of change that comes your way and you're preparing all the way through. And then I'd, I'd add one other thing too, and that is just know yourself. I, I just find this fascinating too, Steve, because this goes all the way back to advice that was given to us by Doug Berg when we were talking about how to find jobs. You know, and that was one big thing he mentioned is know yourself, know what you're good at, know what you're not so good at, know what your work preferences are. Yeah, yeah, Robert, I agree with what you just shared. And I think the other things that I really liked about what Christian was saying is one, know yourself really well, but also he was talking about know the other things that are going on in the world. And the psychology that's that might be his know your possible self, know who you are, but also know who you might become. And that becomes from talking to other people. I liked how he's talked about, you know, look at job recruitment stuff, even if you're not looking for a job, just to know what's going on in your field, what people are interested in, what are the growing trends. And then the other one I really liked was the, the recommendation to learn a foreign language, because I mean, as a person who, not that I speak French well now, but I spent like eight years trying <laughs> to learn French. I used to be good at Spanish as well. Um, yeah, but I look back on that. It was a really good observation that when you learn a foreign language, it is a very much a self-reflective exercise. You become aware of how you think and how language is expressed in different cultures. And I think it helps us understand other people better. And ultimately, building relationships is not just about knowing yourself. It's about being good at knowing others as well. So, wow, it was really cool. Well, we'll have to have them back in five years so that we can... Uh ask these questions again, and we can ask them about Liam and Benny and what they should be preparing for, my other two kids. <laughs> it's all about the kids. It's, it's all, all about, about our children. Kids. <laughs> ask about Antonio and Robbie, but next time. <laughs> that's right. All right, that's our show for today, everybody. Thanks to our guest, Christian Schmeichel, for joining us today. Thanks to the Open SAP team for supporting free, accessible education like this. A special thanks to Robbie Echeverria. For the past two years, Work Matter has been a volunteer-supported podcast, and Robbie has become so instrumental, not just as our editor, but by setting expectations for our guests, scheduling, and so much more. We couldn't do this without you, Robbie. If you have enjoyed our show today, we hope we have earned a new subscriber. And hey, give us a quick like. It helps others find this podcast. We'll be sure to get you more information in our show notes. So if you're looking for more from Christian Schmeichel, myself, Robert Richardson, or the ever-prolific Dr. Steve Hunt, who is coming out with a book soon, please look no further than those show notes. We look forward to seeing you on the next podcast, because what matters? Well, today, the future of work matters. Work matters. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Work Matters podcast.